This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. All right, John. So it uh, looks like we're back and we're 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 rolling we're rolling via uh, Zoom right now on our podcast. So it's kind of different. Uh, hopefully yeah. it goes well. I'm uh, in the comfort of my own home, and uh, you're. At the, I think you're at the church, right? I am. Yeah, I'm at the church. I'm in the I'm in the uh, room that we normally record in, and uh, so we're we're miles apart. I don't know. Was that like six six miles, seven miles? How oh, far is it like to your that? House? I don't even know. Something like that. I don't that. even know. I, I know it's about. About 15, 20 minute drive. So yeah, depending on how fast, depending on how fast I go. So um, these days traffic's pretty good. So maybe, maybe, maybe a little quicker. Well, yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Things are a lot, lot more open right now. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, I was uh, listening to uh, the pot, you know, the sermon last week, and so I know we're still, we're still working some things out, and uh, it's so there's some cool things about it, but uh, we're working some things out. Looks like we had some issues with the lag and all that kind of stuff. But I noticed, I've always wondered uh, what I sounded like when I sing. And, and apparently I sound a lot like the Casting Crowns guy. Is that right? Yeah, because I, I was watching, I was watching, I mean, I, I don't sync up when I sing, which is pretty crazy. So I was like, wow, that guy sounds really good. <laughs> no. You're like a good. Chinese Casting Crowns guy. <laughs> was, was it? There's a Your Chinese book. Casting Crowns guy. Remember the Chinese like Kung Fu, you know, oh, movies? Oh, yeah, yeah, because and- of, of subtitles. Yeah, and you know, my, yeah. Uh, my guitar was, yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I was like, who, who is that? I was like, that sounds good for a second. I thought, I was like, ooh, that sounds good. And I was like, that's not even a song I'm singing. So apparently <laughs> uh, there's a little, bit of a, a little bit of a lag. But I know the good news is, you know, it takes a while to get kind of up to speed and all that kind of stuff. And um, I know a lot of churches have actually bowed out of the online stuff, or, uh, the, the live streaming. Yeah, it's very, it's, churches. it's, well, I don't know about a lot, but it's, it's, uh, it is very difficult to do. Um, there's people say it's, it's not, it's not hard. And, and there's, if you're not going to do it with a high degree of quality, it might not be hard, but, uh, generally speaking, it is actually pretty hard to do well and we're trying to do it well. And we're quite frankly, we haven't done it well yet. We're, we're still working towards that. Um, we think sure. we've got a few more things figured out and hopefully we'll have that, um, have some of those things rectified this week, but we'll, we'll just keep working at it until we get it. Yeah. We spent about what, two, two, three hours yesterday trying to hammer it out with that. We had a guy come in and I think we're good to go. Hopefully we'll see. That's the thing is we think every week we think we're good to go. And then yes. it just goes, yeah, it just doesn't go. It well. goes sideways. We yeah, are going to use it. Goes yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We had somebody come, uh, a guy that uh, we've worked with in the past and we, we paid him to come and, and to help us figure a few things out. And, uh, we're not, we're probably even this week, we're probably not doing the th- things the way we really want to do things. Um, but, uh, you know, just some of that's availability of equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, but we're, we're making steps in the right direction and, and we'll have, hopefully, uh, hopefully things will, will be worked out. We're, we're doing things different this week. I think it'll be better. Which by the way, um, just an encouragement to you, John, you spent all week just killing yourself for the, the sermon and then the tech stuff <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And then on Sunday morning at about 10 o'clock, right. When you're about ready to preach, it all goes sideways. All yeah. goes sideways. Yeah, it did. And, that, and you got to, and then you still got to get up there and preach and and whatnot and i know as someone who's had to do sermons in the past you do all that work and then basically it's not going to work out the way you wanted to 
it's very frustrating. Very it's discouraging. It, it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. You did really well not showing that because well, I, I appreciate I, that. I would have been like, you know what? It's not working. Can't go back to sleep. I was so bad right now. <laughs> so I, you did a good job. So well, thanks. Shout outs to you there. Uh, what I did notice though, John, is you mentioned George George Whitfield. Um, I did. He writes, yeah. He writes for his, he writes songs and stuff with his sermon. Well, no, no, uh, he didn't write, he didn't write that hymn. A guy named uh, Robertson wrote the hymn, but he was at a uh, George Whitfield, like revival. Okay. So he wrote it to supplement George Whitfield's sermon. No, his own sermon, but like six years later. Oh, who wrote it? So this other guy wrote it for his own sermon. Yeah. Yeah. But six years after he was at that meeting, but that meeting where he heard George Whitfield preach was, was what began to change his life. Okay, gotcha. So my question is then: so you're not off the hook yet, John? I'm not. So you're doing all this. You're, you're doing all this technical stuff. You're doing Are you going to want me to write songs? Is that where this is I going? Want you, <laughs> I want you to start writing not just songs, John. I want you to write a song for every sermon you do, but I also want you to write the quality of "Come Thou Found." That that will last like another couple hundred yeah. years, and people yeah, will be every, singing it every time. So no pressure. God, God gives everybody gifts. You know, I, this, this guy who wrote this, I, I think his name was Robert Robertson, if I remember right. And, uh, he, uh, um, he, uh, I, I don't know of a single sermon he did. So, you know, maybe, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe he should have stuck to song writing or something. He's a songwriter. He's a songwriter, not a sermon writer. He, exactly. Yeah. Robert Robert maybe. Robbins Robinson was his name. So. Yeah, but he crushed that one song. Huh? I'm telling you, yeah. he, he yeah, did. You know, he crushed that one. About, that's one of my favorite songs, and, and the reason why it's it's come down found. I don't know if he said that yet, but there's a line in there, and I don't know if if it's the ac- accurate line because it seems like it switches around a lot. But it's uh, the the line prone to wander. Yeah, Lord, that's I, the one I love. Lord, I fear it is what I. You do feel it or fear it. <sighs> I actually looked the lyrics up online just, you know, cause I wanted to get them right. And, and, and what I found was feel it. Um, but you know, I, either way, I think, I think the point remains, you know? Yeah. yeah I like the idea. I like the idea of fear it because yeah. it, it kind of shows that, uh, I know, I know I'm prone to wonder and I don't want to do it and right. I know it's coming, you know? So right. I like them both. They're both good. Like you said, they're both good. Um, Speaking of songwriters, John, you talked about John Lennon in your sermon. Yeah, I did. I had some song. It was Songwriter Week, apparently. It was. Yeah. Was it? Was it Imagine? Was that the song? That you Imagine. Did? Yeah. Okay. And 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 I'm not really going to talk about the song too much, but you talked about materialism and possessions, all that kind of stuff in the song. And so my question to you is, and and it's not really on the sermon, but it kind of hit me because you know, especially in the, this Corona age, where you know, I look at. I was talking to my wife this morning. The good thing about this this virus is usually my day is like, oh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? You know, if right. I go buy something to entertain myself, and now you, know, <laughs> you don't have that option anymore, and you start to see it, time starts to free up a little bit. So, but my question is about materialism because it kind of got me thinking. Um, do you think it's wrong to have possessions? Um, and then, uh, what exactly in that video caused you to react in that way? You know, like. The fact that they're in the mansion, you know, obviously in the man- and it was ironic, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you what. I might even, uh, you know, throw the throw the video on the end of this thing because I think I'm going to put this on YouTube as well as our regular podcast uh, um, channel or whatever. But um, you know, I the, the song was it was Gal Gadot 
Gal Gadot, uh, who played Wonder Woman in in the Wonder Woman movies. Um, anyways, she uh, she started it, and and a bunch of her Hollywood buddies kind of took it up, each singing a line on Twitter. But um, here's the thing about that song. It's not even so much about the material possessions, although that's part of it. I think it's okay to, for people to have material possessions. As a matter of fact, I think it could even be considered good. I mean, you think about you think about Jesus in the parable of the talents that we, we just talked about that not that long ago, um, a few weeks ago and, uh, the parable of the talents. And he, he takes when the person who has invested, uh, what, what, the his master gave him to invest and did it well and gained more material wealth. He actually took, took the material wealth that he had given the, the least to from that person because they did not invest it to gain more and gave it to the the person who had gained more. So I actually think that there's a sense in which having wealth and gaining wealth is not bad. It can actually be good. I think when it's related to when it's gained through appropriate means and, um, and, and that person who's gaining that is, is gaining it because they're contributing to society and they're being productive, productive in society. In other words, they're giving value back to other people. In that sense, I think it's really good. And it sounds I think, like you're talking about, it's like God, it's like God funnels, you know, obviously it's all his. So he's yes. funneling it through you to direct to somebody else type thing too. Also like keep it moving. You of, know? Course. of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, certainly, certainly he chastises the, you know, the rich young ruler and, and, and chastises uh, others uh, about their wealth. Um, So there's definitely, you know, if you're, if you're hoarding wealth, that's not good. But if you're being generous with what you've given and the reason that you're gaining wealth is not through illicit means, but through um, being productive in society and, and contributing to others and, 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 you know, that's, the whole idea of free market is that I give you something of value. You give me back something of value. And so if I give you a service that's a value to you, then you give me back something of value, whether it's money or something else. Right. So that's, that's kind of the free market idea. And, and I think that's actually pretty biblical that, that when you're, when you contribute to society that you'll, you'll get something back of value. And the more you contribute, the more you receive back. What do you, and then I guess obviously the, the, the biggest issue is with wealth is, and even, even not in the lack of wealth in some ways, it's the love of the money. That's right. It's the love of your possessions. It's the, when you begin to elevate those things above other people or above other things or ide- ideology, whatever, that's when it becomes bad. Right, right. And yeah, absolutely. And I would think that, um, and that's the reason, you know, you listen to the song Imagine, that John the John Lennon song, and and it's amazing because I, I was thinking about this the other day and uh, John Lennon, you know, th- there's a line in the song that imagine there's no heaven and imagine there's no hell. In other words, imagine there's nothing eternal. There's no heaven. There's no eternal rewards and there's no hell. There's no eternal punishment. Imagine that. And he's portraying it if, as you read the song as if this is a wonderful and glorious thing and that we can create kind of a utopian society in the here. Now, if you listen to that song, it's very, very, very heavily uh, socialistic and communistic in, in its, in its worldview and its understanding. Um, and I, and I contrast that with, um, a different song called imagine by Bart Millard of mercy me. And, and he's imagining actually standing before the father after he, after he passes from this life to the next. And he's saying, what, what will I do? Will I kneel? Will I, Will I worship? What, what will be my response to being in front of the almighty eternal God as I'm ready to receive 
eternal life. You know, what will that be like? And I, I just think the contrast of those two songs is, oh, that's good. is amazing. That's, you know, it's because I, I don't want people to think that you, you don't think that Imagine by the Beatles is a, isn't a beautiful song or whatnot. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful song for people who don't, if you don't have, if you don't have Christ, then you have to have some sort of utopian, um, you know, that's all you got. But in reality, you're not, this life, this, this, this earth will never be that. It will never no. be that. And that's because sin is there, which, which leads to my next question is, will we ever be able to eradicate the poor? No, not, not yeah. this side of eternity. I mean, that's, that's a really simple answer. I mean, Jesus said it, right? And we talked about it this last week. It's, you know, the, the woman comes and she anoints Jesus uh, with this expensive perfume and the disciples get mad because it's so expensive. And they're like, we want to help the poor with this, which you, you hear that and you go, well, that's a noble cause. As a matter of fact, I hear this cry um, today. And a lot, of pe- a lot of people will look at churches that spend money on, I don't know, a building or a sound system or, or something. And they'll go, we could have used that money to help the poor. And I always go, and I always think to this passage and I, I go, that may be true. But what was Jesus' response to this woman who anointed him with this expensive perfume? It was, the poor will always be with you. They'll, they'll always be there. You'll always have opportunity to minister to the poor because they're poor and not going away. And there's, re- there's many reasons for that, which we don't need to get into now, but, but, but then he talks about his own presence, but I, you know, I will not always be with you, at least not in the sense that he was at that moment. And, and we don't have him with us in that sense, but we do have opportunity to worship him and to give him our best. And we should do that. We should not, we should not uh, give him second best. I mean, that's what, when it, when he addressed the sacrifices, I just got uh, done reading, going through the minor prophets um, and many times in them in, in, in Malachi and Zechariah and in Hosea and in, in a lot of these minor, minor prophets, one of the things, one of the themes is you give me your sacrifices, but you're always giving me second best. You're always, you're sacrificing the blind sheep. You're sacrificing the one that has a blemish instead of giving me the best. And I think, I think that's instructive to, to us. So we should give God our, our best, um, first and foremost. And then we should absolutely 100% minister to the poor, whatever you've done to Lisa, these you've done unto me, right? That, that was, we talked about that one not that long ago too in a sermon. So, so we certainly got to do both of those things. Um, and we should give God our best. Well, it sounds, you know, it sounds like you're saying, you know, with materialism or wealth, you know, the, the whole point of it is to honor God with it. That's right. Whatever that looks like. So, you know, if, if in the moment it's to give to the poor, then it's to give to the poor. That's but right. if your if your plan is to um, try to eradicate and create a utopia on earth, the problem is, is there's sin. The problem is there's sin and fallenness, and that's why we'll never get there. That's why yeah. John Lennon's song is a beautiful song as far as how it was written and, and the artistry that it, that was used to put it together. But the worldview is, is troublesome and problematic and it's very anti-Christian. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as beautiful as it is, it's, it still comes, it, it ultimately falls a little bit short. Because, right. Because there is it, like you said, that, you know, when I listen to Imagine, sorry, we'll, we'll move on. But when I listen to Imagine by the Beatles, I'm always like, God, oh, it's a beautiful song. But then listen, I can only imagine and I get, you know, tears in my eyes. So there's just the difference. Right. It elevates to what is true and, yeah. and right. So that's right. Um, John, your sermon's called uh, beauty in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. Uh, we're still in the final days of Jesus uh, kind of back yeah. on track and, and whatnot. And you even just mentioned the, the woman who adored, uh, adorned Jesus with the, with the perfume, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
question this year. Um, I guess we're kind of on this. I mean, I guess we have actually semi answered this question, but let's see. Or what was my what was my question here? <laughs> I guess my question was. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think we kind of answered it. Just yeah, I wasn't wasn't planning on it, but I don't know. I just you know the materialism thing. I think it just hits me a little bit. You know, yeah. because it's we're we, first of all as Americans, we do have so much. So yeah, we do, and we do have so you know we're we're going to be constantly bombarded with with options and and whatnot. Um, I guess that the, what I love about this what this woman does is she takes she does spend the money for something expensive and extravagant but the point was never to keep it for herself right it was to bless somebody else with it you know right. I, I was uh i saw on facebook this morning one of our uh one of our uh i guess congregants or whatever our, our church family i don't know if you saw this um they were at costco early this morning they're a little elderly they're there i guess that i think they they qualified as the elderly early early admittance whatever sure and so uh, they're not that old but you know what i'm saying um and I guess you're allowed to go in earlier and they got a, a big pack of toilet paper and they purchased it and it was great. And all of a sudden they see that the, 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 the frenzy happened and then they see a, a woman with a large family. Yeah. So get, oh, yeah. Choked up here. But, but you know, they, you know, like they're out of toilet paper and she gives them their toilet paper, her toilet paper, you know? Oh, wow. So yeah. she, it's just like a cool, like she had the resources, she purchased it. They needed it. I'm sure, you know, yeah. it's just her and her husband. So, and they, they have family to take care of too, as well, like a extended family that lived down the street from them. So I'm sure they could use that toilet paper, but they right. had a resource, they bought something and they gave it away, you know, yeah. it's such a That's cool right. thing. So, um, we, I think, it, I, yeah. Well, I just think it's so funny. I mean, listen to the way we're talking about toilet paper, man. We're talking about like if it's a if it's a gold bar or something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is it, that that speaks to the craziness of the time we're living in at this moment. But gotcha. Yeah, I think it, like I said, it all comes down to the heart, the heart behind it. I think getting our heart to change is so important. Which kind of leads me to my next question. I was talking to Matthias uh, on sun, last Sunday, I think, uh, which is talking about how our sin manifests in different ways, you know, whether it's out through alcohol or anger or, uh, overeating, yeah. overspending, whatever it is. Um, when our heart is hurting, you know, it, it, it acts out, you know, and I think that's where you see the problem with wealth and, and materialism yeah. and all like, and greed and all that kind of stuff. But the cure you talked about is to adore Christ. Yeah. Right. If, if we're like this woman, we see this valuable possession and then we also see Christ and we go, well, uh, Christ is so much more valuable. So I, this thing, which the world would say is valuable. I'm going to just throw at Jesus' feet, you know, because That's I right. think he's so much more. How do we make Christ or how do we adore him so much that the, the value, the things that are valuable in the world literally just get dumped at his feet? You know what I'm saying? How do we make that switch? Is it Man, time? I, I think it's really hard. I, I, I think it's a constant. I don't think you ever get there this side yeah. of eternity. Uh, but, you know, I, as you were talking, I was singing of the, of the, of the band cra- Casting Crowns. Um, the guy I sound like when I sing? Yeah, the guy, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Just so people understand that joke, like, because it was a sound difference, like the, the video was ahead of the sound. And so the 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 video had switched to our worship band but we had the a casting crown song yeah. uh playing behind the countdown and so the video had switched to our worship band and the can- casting crown song was still playing and there's Johnny up there with you know, you know a couple other people singing so that's <laughs> sounded the joke. great sounded great <laughs> anyways <laughs> yeah 
but um but i think of that the just the name of their band which is a band i like a lot um for and they got a really cool song as a matter of fact i did a little uh check in with pastor john which i do every monday or every uh weekday night at least during the coronavirus thing at 7 p.m on on our grace facebook page and on monday my wife and i played it and sang it and stuff like that um one of their songs their newer ones uh called nobody but anyways uh but the name of their band comes out from a passage in revelation where 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 all the crowns all the things that um that the people got from, from their life, you know, all their, all their, 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 uh, I guess he rewards their eternal rewards their crowns, if you will, are being cast at Jesus feet out of worship for him. So I think that is the ultimate goal to get to that point where we're casting our crowns before the feet of Jesus. And, and I don't remember exactly what chapter that is in revelation, but, but that, you know, that's, that's the goal, right? Like the things of this world, you know, the material things, they, they matter. It's not that they don't matter. Um, as a matter of fact, the whole point is that we're casting something valuable before Jesus, right? Like we're giving something that has great value and we're giving it up for him because he is of greater value. And, you know, how do we change that in our hearts, man? I think it's just a constant evaluation of the heart and a constant uh, attitude of humility and repentance when we when we get it out of order, you know, and, and, and taking the admonition, admonition in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, seriously, you know, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, and, and that same few verses talks about casting off the sin that, that hinders us so much. And so I, I think it's just a constant seeking after God and a constant reminder, being in his word day after day, praying day after day, praying for our own hearts day after day, that we would be uh, humble before him and receptive to what he has for us. It, it, it's, it never goes away. That's a constant. You know, I, I, I like that you said that uh, there has to be value in there. If there's no, if you don't love it, it's not a sacrifice. That's right. That's right. You know, if you're going to cast just whatever at his feet, it's not a big deal. But if you bought it, when you purchase it, you go, oh my gosh, I love this. I love the smell. I've never been able to afford this. Um, there's immense value. And for her at that point, that's when the sacrifice comes into play. So there's right. always going to be that tension. Yeah. You know, there's always going to be a little bit of tension. So that's why sometimes we may, we may hoard it and sometimes we may give it, you know? Yeah. And so when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's it's just so cool. I think, I think what, what caused the woman to do that, what caused the woman to, 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 to pour it out. Give that valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's because she, you know, it was, it wasn't Mary, Mary Magdalene that did it. Well, so not in this passage. Okay. Um, So there's most scholars believe that there's probably a couple incidents where something similar happened in this passage. We don't know who it is. So the cool thing about this, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that this woman had a lot of heart issues. She was yeah. probably broken and she's probably spent before just to, or done stuff to make herself feel better. And yeah. then you get this, you get this person who comes, comes in and says, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. I love you. I'm, you know, follow me. And then all of a sudden she just, that's, she's holy. You know, she, she elevates to the, not like elevates, but she elevates to the next level, you know, right. of realizing what the true importance is seeing Christ for the first time, uh, seeing, being loved, uh, truly by her creator at that point, everything in that moment, everything else fades. Right. And it's, uh, we see that we see what's the most important. Um, John, I'm, I'm assuming the beauty in the midst of tragedy is, is talking about Jesus's death. Right. And, and, 
um, him coming to, to die for us on the cross. Well, right? not, not so much. I think the beauty in the midst of tragedy, I think as we look at, at Matthew uh, 26, which is what we were doing this last uh, Sunday, and we kind of looked at the whole chapter and what we find is we find a lot of betrayal, like in the same, in this very passage, we see Judas betray Jesus. We see Peter deny Jesus. We see James and John fall asleep while Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane, uh, praying, crying out to God. And so we see all of these people, all of, all of this constant and the, and the, the, the religious leaders are betraying Jesus. All of that is happening in, in, in Matthew chapter 26. And, and yet in the middle of that, in the middle of that, there's two passages that, that are just beautiful. One of them is this woman who, who adorns Jesus with the perfume. And the other is the last supper, even though that's filled with a little bit of betrayal too, because Jesus calls out Judas in that moment. But, but there's these two beautiful passages that speak to the glory of God, that speak to the beauty of who he is and what he's about to do, which is the crucifixion, which comes the next day. And so that's what I'm talking about. Even in the midst of this tragedy and this um, betrayal and, and all of these things that are going on, there's still beauty there. And, and ultimately, I, I did reference the idea of the gospel rises from the ashes of the tragedy of sin and humanity. And, and certainly that includes Jesus' death and resurrection. But, but that's kind of where that title comes from. Yeah, I, I guess uh, so kind of that would lead me to my next question. But now you made me think of something else. <laughs> um, it's like, it's like, uh, the woman, you know, because I, you know, you, I always look at people in the past in the Bible where I go, well, this woman nailed it hundred percent. I mean, she nailed, yeah. she got her one opportunity. She nailed it in the Bible, right? She got it right. She, she, yeah. She did the right thing in that one moment. But the reality is, is they're, they're even moving forward. I'm sure she made the wrong choice. I'm sure she, um, chose sure. to love the whatever it was and not, and not sacrifice. So we have that tension always within us. And even in the midst of our life, we can have moments that are beautiful where we make the right decision and, and whatnot. But going to the question I, that I was going to, so you talk about the, the sin, how it is um, that that sin is uh, tragic, but what Christ did was beautiful and his death was tragic, but it was beautiful at the same time. Um, is Christ, how can Christ's death be enough to cover the sins of all humanity? Yeah, I mean. Good theological question there. Yeah, I you know this is one of those questions that I may not be able to answer in a satisfactory way for everyone. Um, I'll answer it from a theological perspective, but for some of us, that just we it might not be enough. And and if it's not enough, then I think that that's where a place where you just go, I gotta just trust that that God did the right thing and that it is sufficient. Um, you know, but, uh, but the fact that Jesus is both fully human and because he's fully human, you know, he, again, the author of Hebrews talks about, would you rather have a savior and I'm paraphrasing, but would you rather have a savior who understands what it is to be human? And, and Jesus certainly does understand what it is to be human. Um, and so he was fully human, but he was also fully divine. He had, he had, he had all that it meant, all that it means to be divine. He uh, had that nature in himself as well. And because of the eternality and the significance of, the, of his divinity, that increases the significance of his sacrifice. And so that his sacrifice, because he was not only fully human, but also fully divine, and the fact that he didn't have any sin of his own, to pay for that sacrifice was, was sufficient to pay for all of our sin. 
and you can, you know, you can sit here and I, I don't, I don't know how you put value on that, especially as finite beings and trying to evaluate the sacrifices of, of an infinite being. Um, it, it seems, it seems, uh, almost like a, a pursuit of folly. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to fully answer that question in a way that is totally sac- uh, uh, satisfactory until maybe I receive the fullness of knowledge in eternity future. But, um, but yeah, so that, that would be kind of my short answer. I, I don't really have, there's not some formula I can point to that, that will, that will answer it in some, in some way, but he, he took on the sin. And, you know, even in, as you read through the narrative of the crucifixion and, and, and there's a point where, where he cries out, my God, my God, why have you uh, forsaken me? And, and there is this sense of that forsaking, whatever exactly that is, um, that forsaking from the father to the son was almost a turning on him himself in a sense that there's one divine essence that both God, the father, God, the son and the Holy spirit, right. Are they're all one in essence. That's the Trinity, but they're three in persons. And so, but because they're one in essence, it was almost a turning on one's own essence in, in a certain sense. And, and yet, judgment. um, yeah. And judgment and, and, and placing that judgment on, on self rather than on the created beings that are us, that we're the ones who deserve it. But, but that judgment was executed on, on Jesus as he gave up his, um, his spirit, if you will, for that judgment. And we'll, we'll argue for forever about what exactly happened there uh, until we receive fullness mm-hmm. of knowledge. But, uh, but, but that's, that's kind of the best answer I think I can give. Well, when, while you're talking about it, it kind of made me think too. I mean, if you're going to reconcile two, two part, two peoples, you know, two groups, so you have to ask somebody who can speak on both, both can understand both sides. Yeah. So it's like Christ rep, can represent and talk and speak for humanity. And he mm-hmm. can also represent and speak on the behalf of God because he has both. So he's right. able to bring them together. He can mediate. Um, that's right. Perfectly. Yeah. Mediate perfectly. Um, Cause it, it would be weird, not weird, but he could do whatever he wants, but it'd be, it would be weird if he had no connection to the divinity I said, right. here's this group, people group, you know, and whatever. I speak on their behalf and he's like, well, who are you? You know, yeah. you're just a man. You don't understand what, what we are, you know? So, um, John, do you think the, the, his sin, I mean, I don't know why people argue this kind of question anyways, to me, it doesn't matter, but some people will argue that Jesus's death only covers those he saved <laughs> and not all of humanity. Why do people get... To me, it doesn't matter, you know, but people do get bent out of shape over it. Why do, yeah. they, so why do they get bent out of shape? But why does it matter to some people? And then uh, if you want to answer what you believe. Well, I think it, in one direction, it matters a lot, right? So, and in another direction, I kind of agree with you. I, 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 think, I, think, I think the answer to this question really is uh, eternally insignificant. Um, but, but people, you know, if, if they, it's called limited atonement, it's how people refer to it. Uh, people from the Calvinistic side of things, they'll say, you know, if Jesus's death had limited atonement, in other words, his atonement was only sufficient for those who are the elector or those who are called. Um, I think that's, that's, uh, um, it's fine as far as it goes, you know, it fits with the rest of Calvinistic theology. And in that sense, okay, so, I, if that's what it is, that's what it is, I guess. Um, here's how I like to talk about it. I, I like to say it's sufficient for all, but effective for those who are called. Um, 
and and I, I don't I don't know if that's right or not. Um, I think it's it's sufficient and effective for those who respond to the gospel. <laughs> so yeah. so I want people to respond to the gospel. Uh, that's my big goal is to get people to respond to the gospel and and receive the gift that God has given them. So so that's that's kind of how I, I'd answer that question. I agree with you. I don't I don't, don't want to get in too many big arguments about that whole deal. Um, I'll I'll leave that to our hardcore Calvinist and Arminian uh, brothers and sisters to fight about. You know, I think it's, it's probably, it's, it's always a good idea to really think through theology and really study the scriptures and try to try to understand God. You know, yeah, it is. When you can, it's always a good thing. Um, but I think there, there comes a point where um, if I were to receive a big gift from my, my in-laws or something or whatever financial gift. I don't need to ask him, well, how did you do it? Like, did you yeah. sell something Did you, you know, like why you just, you just need to say thank you. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, and let, let him figure out how he did it. You know, right. at some point, right. if it starts to create division and frustration, it's not worth it. At that point, well, I so. think, I think the idea, and when we get dogmatic about it, this is the way, what, the, what scripture teaches in my theology is the only theology that's correct. Um, I don't think that honors and glorifies God. I, and I think that in some ways puts us in his place as if we can understand all the intricacies of every theological point that is presented in scripture. Um, no, I don't think we can. I think that's why this life will be a constant life of searching truth out in scripture and, and in reality and God's revelation. Readjusting and, our thinking. Yeah. And adjusting our thinking. Right. And so we, we should be open to that and we should seek that out and we should seek God in all things. And, um, we'll be corrected on some things when we face Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that what good, like kind of readjusting is good hermeneutics or good, good scripture study, right? Yeah. Is, is to take, you take the passage and you let it change you. That's right. So that's the whole point of, of following Christ is as you go throughout your day and your life, letting Christ change you because, and I think, I think there's probably the reason why people get so, um, you know, intent on I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out God and all yeah. that he is. I think there's part of it is, um, you know, we, we do have that sense of control, whatever it is, you know, when we, when we feel out of control, we try to gain control. And I think gaining control of, of scripture and Christ and, and his ways seems to give us satisfaction, but maybe it's something that we need to get rid of and just say, you know yeah. what, God, just keep changing me. Um, John, I always come back to this question. This is our last question. And I always kind of come back to it because in case you haven't realized, John, it's, it's April 2nd right now we're recording on a Thursday morning. And people are talking about this thing called the coronavirus. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so it's still, it's still pretty uh, prevalent in our, in our culture. And I know like we're going to look back on this, you know, a couple of years from now and, you know, I don't know how we'll look on it. I'm back on it. But if somebody's listening to this a couple of years from now, they'll go, why, what's the big deal about this coronavirus thing that they always talk about? But I always come back to it and I'm sorry if it's a redundant question, but your, your, your sermon is called beauty in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. John, can you see beauty in the midst of this tragedy, the coronavirus? A hundred percent. And yeah, I don't think you always see it in the midst of tragedy, right? When you're in the midst of tragedy, sometimes all you see is the tragedy. That's true. And and I and I think that you know that's that's this limited human perspective. But I don't I don't think that's the case uh here. Um and I, man, I think there has been beauty in the midst of this from day one. Not that not that this makes it good in any way that we're going through this, but but there has been opportunity for the church of Jesus to follow Jesus uh, deeply in this. And, and I think in many ways, 
the church has. Um, you know, I look at uh, in Central Park in New York right now, there is a hospital in the middle of Central Park uh, with 68 uh, beds added uh, so that they can treat people with who are, who are uh, suffering from coronavirus and stuff like that because New York's one of the hardest hit places right now. And you know who put that hospital there? The uh, government? No, not the government. I, no, do you? I did. I did. I did. Yeah, who is it? Yes, sir. Samaritan's yeah. Purse. Yeah, it's Samaritan's Purse, right? It's Franklin Graham's ministry. Now, there's some. He's in the news for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, the mayor of New York, De Blasio, is is all up in arms because he's like that. He thinks they're like a hate group or something. I don't know. De Blasio's crazy, but, um, but he's like he's like they better not discriminate, which they won't, and they haven't, and they. It, it's re, it's a ridiculous charge. It's a charge with no evidence, but, but he's like, you know, he's it's all fear. Up it's fear. It's fear. You know, he's uh, so, so he, de Blasio thinks that, that he might, Samaritan's person might uh, discriminate against like uh, the LGBTQ plus community and which they will not, as far as who they treat, they will absolutely not. They will treat everyone with dignity because that's what scripture demands of us. But I think that's beautiful. There was Christians in China when this was, really really when they were really deep in in all of this there were christians in china out handing out face masks and 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 gloves and other things and preaching the gospel in the midst of it in a place that you're not supposed to do that there's there's been many there was a there's a church i can't remember where it was or the name of the church they had a medical ministry and they turned their parking lot into a uh, a medical facility so that they could treat people with coronavirus and it, you know to quote mr rogers when you know in times like this you look for the helpers and who are the helpers over and over again it's 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 followers of jesus christ um extending grace and love and mercy uh to to a world in desperate need of of healing physical healing in, the, in this case and doing their best to minister to them um it's it's um our church uh, had, uh, you know, we're doing a food drive right now to to help uh, a, a local organization, the Action Center. We're collecting cereal and, and pasta because that's what they need for people who who need that. And so I think that's beauty. That that's it's beautiful to watch the people of God rise to the occasion and um, and 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 lift up and honor people as created in the image of God in, in the midst of all of this. And, and, and then ultimately to point to Jesus in the midst of it too. So, so yeah, and there's many, many, many stories that are, that are happening. There's a, there's a, a, a organization down in Colorado Springs that I mentioned, I think in the sermon uh, where they had lettuce or maybe it was two weeks ago, they have lettuce and they were, it was kind of a business venture combined with the ministry, but but uh, all their customers all of a sudden didn't need lettuce, and they had thousands upon thousands of heads of lettuce, and so they figured out how to how to give to people in need in the community, uh, Christian organization. So over and over again, I see generosity, love, and beauty in the midst of this tragedy for sure. Even aside from like the, the you know the big gestures and stuff, you know parking lots and, and parks that are turned into hospitals, I think even on the individual level, I think even in my own life, and I think I've seen this in some just people in general, not even believers and unbelievers, I see that you know we hoard and we adore materialism and wealth and all this kind of stuff, and it's always the pursuit of more. And I seem like that's kind of the American way sometimes to gain more, to gain more and, and to gather. And now we're at this point, the beauty of it is just God just lifting this stuff out of our hands, kind of crumbling our little idols of, of, of wealth, you know, and then mm. just seeing that, that it's not, we can use what we have 
And instead of hoarding more for ourselves, we can love on other people with it and see kind of what the real value is to people over yeah. things. Well, you even mentioned uh, the family in our church that got toilet paper and they gave it up to a large family. And I, I feel bad for large families right now who, you know, cause they go through supplies faster. And when you get stores limiting the number, the amount of supplies they'll sell because people are hoarding, that really hurts large families who aren't, they're not hoarding. They just actually need that amount of supply. But, but, you know, but even that family who gave up their toilet paper so that a large family could have it. I mean, that's a beauty, that's beauty in the midst of tragedy. Yeah. And, and, and then you need tragedy to see beauty. That's right. Because we need people, you know, we need, if people weren't hoarding this stuff, then there wouldn't be a need for the stuff. Like you said, when does toilet paper become a valuable thing? (laughs) It's because people are hoarding it. And so now people need it. And now it's a, now it's a beautiful thing. So you need both. What's the line that Larry Norman uh, took? And he took it from the book of Revelation, you know, where, where a loaf of bread will buy a bag of gold, you know? Okay. It's, yeah. Uh, he, he, that might be slightly off from, uh, you know, a pack of toilet paper will buy a bag of gold, but, you know, same, yeah. same idea, right? Yeah. Costco, <laughs> a Costco pack is big enough. So, yeah. uh, John, so we, we kind of are going to close our, our uh, podcast, but just to remind the, the listeners, you know, obviously, especially right now, there's a lot of questions that might, might arise, you know, and whatnot. And um, if you have any questions, just email us at podcast um, at gfol.org. Yeah. But I do have a question for you. It's not really uh, on this topic, but it was from a couple weeks ago. So I kind of put it off for a little while, Okay. but I, I didn't want to address it. So let's see here. Um, I think it's from, it's from Kathy. So I think, is that your mom? Uh, could be. There's, there's a few or Kathy's. Okay. So, uh, Kathy, and then basically, uh, what she was asking was, uh, so everything has happened that's needed for Christ's return. It's kind of going back a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Okay. So, so where this does is Matthew 24. Ant- okay. So where does the antichrist come in and <laughs> the mark, the mark, like of the beast, the mark, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh man. That, wow. Uh, Stump yeah. Th- thanks a lot. Whoever this is, whoever, whoever you are, Kathy, is it, is it Nestrud? Yeah, it is that. Yeah, that's that's my mom. Yeah, so thanks a lot, so my mom. mom. My mom asked me questions that are like, you know, what do you want for your birthday? You know, kind of that yeah. kind of stuff. Your yeah, I don't know why you, she can't ask me that question. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We well, I, well, for my birthday, um, I'd like a new shotgun. Actually, that's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening, mom? You listening, yeah. mom? Nice new twelve gauge uh, auto loader. You know, so you Remington 1100, <laughs> something like that. So I get some toilet paper. That's right. All right. So listen, yeah. Revelation talks about the mark of the beast. Now here's the, here's the interesting thing about the mark of the beast, right? There's because we, we can't, we shouldn't take that out of context and especially from the prophets. So, so if you go and you see like, like certain sects of Judaism, even today, they'll have either something on their forehead or something on their hand, right? and and it's and it's the law it's the, they'll have a little box and like a leather strap or something and in that little box will be the shema which is taken from deuteronomy chapter 6 and chapter 11 and and it's you know uh, uh the lord your god the lord is one you know it goes on and talks about the passage talks about about binding god's god's law on our on our on our on our minds and and of the next generation and things like that especially in deuteronomy chapter 6 and so that would be the mark of a follower of yahweh um, in a lot of ways. And so when sometimes we read the the mark of the beast in revelation, I forget which chapter it's in. I want to say it's like 18 or something, uh, 17 or 18, maybe 16, somewhere in there. And, um, and, and it, we talk about this mark and, and 
I don't know if you noticed, but the marks on, on, on the head or the, or the hand too. In other words, the mark is where the mark of God should be. So, so we should have the mark of God in those places, but instead it, it's replaced with the mark of the beast. And a lot of people who've grown up with di- something, you know, dispensational premillennialism, you know, have, they kind of read the news and it's very tempting to do this and they go, Oh man, you know, this is what the mark is going to be. And so, you know, you go back to the, uh, you know, Auschwitz and, and when the Jews were uh, in, uh, being thrown into prison camps and they were given marks. you know, on their hands by the wrists and things like that. And they were in the form of tattoos and people thought that was, that's the mark of the beast or, or, or that's some kind of mark. And so there's been different ideas about what the mark is over the years. And even now people talk about microchips and things like that. So I, I think we get, we can get hung up too much on what that physical representation is going to be. Ultimately it be, it's what, it's what takes the place of God it's an idol. And, and so this, uh, this idea of idol worship, especially as you go back to the prophets where Israel and Judah are constantly hammered for idol worship, for, for placing something else in the place of God. And so when we place that mark, the mark of the beast, it's, it's really an act of worshiping something of this world, whatever that is, this antichrist, worshiping this antichrist who presents himself um, instead of God. And so so I think the, the thing that we should take from that, at least in the here and now, is we should take, take that we are to worship God and God alone, that he deserves our worship, and that, and that we ought not uh, take any kind of mark or anything that would, would show allegiance to something other than God, other, other than Jesus. And so I know that's kind of a vague answer, and I kind of avoided trying to uh, align it with the news because I think that's bad exegesis of Scripture. We shouldn't do that. And, and a lot of times the temptation is to try to figure out when Jesus is coming back. And the truth is, I don't know. I don't know. It could be soon. It could be a long time. Yes. And, and I'm comfortable with that. And we should all be comfortable with that. And, um, and so the mark of the beast and the antichrist, I think there's, you know, the Bible talks about there being many antichrists and, and I think there will be and, and, and have been, and, uh, there, there will be one that is more significant than the others. But, um, I don't, I don't know who it is. And I'm not going to guess. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> that, that actually makes sense. Yeah, I think I, I like. I think sometimes we over we try to over you know try to like you, like I said earlier. We got I I I need to understand what this yeah. means. And the reality yeah. is is you know there's there's many applications of it too, in some ways. That's right. Any additional any additional resources you recommend as you're kind of doing your sermon study this week? Um. No, not, not really off the top of my head. I, I think, uh, I think this is a great time, you know, as we're, we're a little bit a week and a half away from Easter to read through the gospels and to remember, and, you know, I might go over to John and, uh, and read, read the end of John as well, along with Matthew, as we kind of finish out Matthew in the next two weeks. Um, but you know, it, it, this is such an important time and understanding the significance of the gospel, especially in the, in the time of turmoil is, is, is just, it's a huge deal. It's a big deal and we shouldn't forget that. So I would say, instead of pointing you to some other resource, I just want to tell you, you know, read the, read the narratives, the passion narratives in, in the gospels and remember the significance of what Jesus has done. I think that's so important. So John, what's the big idea this week? The big takeaway the big takeaway is this um, danger is not found in the denial of self, but the denial of Jesus. 
Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.